Everybody, sooner or later, is going to face something of some degree of challenge or difficulty. It's going to happen in everyone's life. And you don't have to be a Christian for that to happen, of course. But it also happens in the lives of many wonderful believers who, uh, who are faced with various challenges that may come our way. And our study in the book of Philippians has been a study in joy, but it's been a study not in foolish joy, but in informed and educated joy. And so as we uh, are approaching the end of the study, and I know some of you have not been a part of it all the way through, and some of you have been from start to finish, uh, you've been with us. And uh, those are all on DVD, and you can pick up any studies that you may have missed. But I want to begin this morning by, by saying we recognize that there's trouble in the world. There's all different kinds of trouble that we've talked about. There's relational trouble, financial troubles, just physical troubles, all kinds of troubles that can come our way. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, I want to remind us of a verse that we've already studied, so I won't spend any time there, but I want to begin there, and I want to put things in a kind of a a capsulated form because we're coming to one of the last topics that Paul is giving us in terms of how to find stability, how to find stability when we are uh, facing difficult challenges that come our way from time to time. How can we be stable? So let's read Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, brothers and sisters, he might say here to the Lakeview crowd, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, In this way, we studied this now, in this way, he says, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, stand firm. Yes, there are going to be high moments and mountaintop experiences that we all have in life, but there will be those valley experiences that will come. Sometimes they're spiritual, sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're financial, but they will come. And so he says, stand firm. Now, don't you just hate it when somebody comes in with a problem or a concern or I've got an issue with this, and, uh, and it, they may actually be, be accurate. They, it may be absolutely true, but they don't bring you a solution along with the problem. Well, here Paul is saying, stand firm, church. I'm going to teach you how to stand firm. I'm going to give you the things that you need to be able to do what I'm challenging you to do. Stand firm in the Lord. So how do we do this? Well, let's first of all review a little bit about the Apostle Paul that most of us already know, but some are new, some are here for the first time perhaps. And we need to know that Paul is writing this letter to a church that he started in Philippi. But he's not in Philippi. He's in Rome. He's not just in Rome. He's in jail. He is in a a place where he is awaiting a trial, and a trial that is probably, in his mind, going to take his life. He's awaiting to go to trial. He's expecting the death penalty and expecting that this trial is going to take his life. At the same time, while he's waiting for the trial, let's keep this in mind. He's chained to a Roman guard as he's writing this letter to the Philippian church. He's chained to a Roman guard. 
So what that means is that he's in prison, chained to a Roman guard, so he has modest food choices. Don't you hate it when that happens? You don't have anything on this menu that I want to eat. What are you going to have to eat? I don't know. I don't see anything on here I like. Uh, especially if you go overseas, that can happen. So I didn't see anything I liked, but I want to be polite, but I didn't see anything. Modest food choices. Modest clothing choices. Even to stay warm during the night when it gets damp and cold or in the early mornings or whenever it's chilly. Modest privacy. He's chained to another person. And so just the sheer uh, aspects of uh, body function and hygiene and all those kinds of things, that those are modest. He, because he's, he's in this uh, holding place and chained to a guard, he has limited access to friends. He has limited access to visitors. He has limited mobility. Uh, sir, could I go out and walk around in the yard out there? What? No, no. Uh, you just stay put. Well, could I get up and walk around in the... What, no, just stay put. Because if you walk, then I have to walk, and I don't feel like walking, so just sit down. I mean, who knows what it was like? Limited mobility, limited hygiene, limited therapeutic options like exercise, reading, writing, no, no MP3 player, you know, no, 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 no uh, artist's uh, 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 easel to be able to draw and to do anything. No coloring books, no crayons, no nothing to pass the time while you're waiting for a trial that's probably going to take your life. So that, that's where Paul's coming from. Now he's the guy who said stand firm. So I'm kind of willing to listen to him, aren't you? Because he kind of knows what it's like to be in a hard place. I'm not in a hard place like that right now. You're not in a hard place like that right now. We, we all may be in a hard place, but not like that. That one's tough. And those are just the obvious challenges. So how in the world does a person find stability with all of those circumstances thrown at them and a death sentence hanging over his head at the same time? So how, how would you handle something like that? Think about it. You know, I, when I read these scriptures, I try to put myself in that place, and I think, how, how would I handle that? How, how would you handle that? So here's a modern-day example for us to relate to of a family that answered the call to leave their home in America and travel to a foreign field. We heard a wonderful report from our missions team in the Sunday school hour. It was just tremendous. And hearing about somebody gave their heart to Christ, somebody that they didn't even expect was listening, but God had some ears on and were listening and gave their heart to Christ. And just the touch of sharing the gospel, the good news with other people. Here's a modern-day example of a family that answered the call to leave their home. They traveled to an African nation to share the gospel, and this is what happened to them. Some of you have been following Pastor Charles and Stephanie Wesco. Some of you have followed them, and you're still following them, and you're praying for them. I want us to put a picture of their entire family. They were blessed. You talk about a quiver that's full. That's a full quiver right there. Eight children with that blessed family. This father was shot and killed in a crossfire while sitting in a car with one of his sons, with his wife, and two other gentlemen. They had only been on the field in Cameroon for two weeks when this happened. And this family is from Warsaw, Indiana. Close to home, isn't it? 
Stephanie has just reported, the wife, has just reported that along with recovering from such a tragic situation in Cameroon, along with the obvious challenges of raising eight children without the love and support of her, her husband and her partner, her life partner, challenges of raising these children alone, now we understand doctors have discovered that she has four to five spots on her liver. Would you call that a hard place? That's harder than what we're dealing with this morning, perhaps. And yet, after the death of her husband, this is what she writes, and I quote, My precious husband Charles is now with the Savior he adored and faithfully served for many years. His life focus was seeking to cause others to love Jesus and serve him. My prayer is that somehow, some way, Jesus will be glorified through my precious Charles' death. And that God will not let his death have been in vain. He is receiving the martyr's crown from his Lord. My heart is broken. I want to wake up from a horrific nightmare. Please pray for me. Unquote. We can imagine why she would issue a request like that. It's one thing for us to read Philippians uh, 1 through 4 and to read about the Apostle Paul who lived many years ago. We never met him. Don't really know exactly what he looked like. In a far and distant land, having a hard time of it. And he's trying to stand firm for Jesus. That's one thing. It's quite sobering, though, isn't it, to hear about someone who lives just upstate from us having such a hard circumstance to deal with. And yet, she has the same mandate that the Apostle Paul had. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Well, let me say on behalf of the Apostle Paul, if I may, this morning, you cannot be an enemy of Satan and not be on his list. You cannot be a Christian an enemy of Satan, and not get on his list. And so there will be periodic challenges that he is going to bring our way to discourage us. And we're, we're going to encounter hard things from time to time. And those things are intended to break us and to pull us away from faith in God. That's what he wants to do with these things. So, Satan's desire, let's just understand and agree from God's Word, his desire is to pull people into things like fear. If you came in here this morning and you are afraid about something, uh, the devil is trying to pull you into fear. He's trying to pull us into frustration with certain things in life. He'll pull us into anxiety. Remember we preached on anxiety. To make us anxious about certain things that we can't focus, we can't think straight about things. He's, he's trying to pull us into confusion. Things we thought we knew and yet when the trouble comes we get confused all of a sudden. To, to pull us into things like anger and hostility. Or, or to maybe you walked in this place this morning and you are feeling a, such a strong sense of loneliness. Like, I don't have anybody. I don't really have a good friend. I don't really have people that love me. I don't really know who really cares about me. 
or sometimes into deep and dark depression and all kinds of things that are intended to destroy our faith. And so God, knowing that, writes us a letter. This is really a letter from God to the people at Lakeview by way of the people in Philippi saying, stand firm in the Lord even when the devil is trying to pull you, to trick you, to pull you away from faith and strength and joy and gladness and ultimately stability in a hard place. So we've been looking at it for some time now and we're down to the last piece in chapter 4 that I'm going to focus us on for just a few moments. But I want us to get perspective about it. Now, remember, we started this morning, or yeah, this morning, with Philippians 4.1, which says, stand firm in the Lord. Then, then, he proceeds to show us how to do that. How, stand firm in the Lord. Here's how to do that. Boom, 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 boom. We take notes. Okay? So I'm going to give you the last piece in a moment, but let's summarize what we've been studying. How to stand firm in the Lord. Number one, we need to focus on a theme called peace and harmony. We found that in Philippians 4 too. He said, I urge Yodia and Syntyche, live in harmony in the Lord. Right off the bat, he's teaching the church there needs to be harmony in this body of believers. And so pray for, work toward, uh, come against things that are divisive. And don't, don't uh, participate in those things because harmony and peace uh, need to be in the believer's life and in the body of Christ. So that was number one, how to stand firm. Be committed to peace and harmony. We don't do it all the time. Do you get it right all the time? If those of us are married, you get it right all the time with husband and wife? Get it right all the time? No. Okay. Some of the time, I hope. Most of the time, I hope. But some of the time, not. And so work toward it. Work toward it. Okay, number two, he says, uh, be, be seeking uh, to, to know and experience the fact that you have joy or you, you should have joy, even in the midst of a hard place. Joy, Philippians 4.4. 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. How, when? Always. Anybody have trouble doing that some, sometimes? <laughs> I, I do. I hope I'm not the only one. I have, I have a struggle sometimes remembering that I have true joy down deep in my soul. I, I, you know, I can, I, can, I can watch happiness go up and down, but joy for the Christian really should be there all the time. And when it's not, then we need to check ourselves and find out why am I acting like I don't have any joy in my life. That's the devil trying to pull us off into a tangent. See, that's what happens. If you're not feeling joyous this morning, you can better believe the devil is tampering with you. Because he doesn't like you. He's against you. He does not want you to be happy in the Lord. Okay? Uh, the third one, and I'm going through these quickly, but we've, we've studied. There's a, there's a sermon on each one of these, as you well know. The third one is gentleness and a humble spirit. In other words, remember when we talked about being willing to accept something less than what you probably deserve and being able to handle that, being willing to, to work within that, to, to accept something less than what you probably really do deserve. There, you know, if, if sitting on the church board is something that is a high thing for you, you, some of you have worked so hard 
that if anybody deserved to sit on the church board, you do, but you've never been elected to it. You see what I'm saying? How the devil will come and he will say, and it doesn't have to be in the life of the church. It could be in your company. It can be related to promotions or lack of down at work. It can have to do with physical issues, uh, financial issues, all those kinds of things. A gentle and humble, he said, Philippians 4, 5, verse verse 5, uh, part A. Let your gentle spirit be known to all. Gentle meaning, even if I don't get what I think I deserve, I will still be kind. I will still be reasonable. I will still be uh, joyous in, in my life. Number four, faith. We need to be we need to be constantly praying and and guarding our faith. It says in in Philippians four five, the Lord is near to help, and this we believe. The Lord is near. Remember, we taught on that. The Lord is near, so He's not only near watching everything going on, but He is near, able to help us in every one of these areas and to help us with our faith when we get in a hard place. Now, you hang on. This is number four. I got two more, and I realize this is like a lecture, all right? But I'm going to give you something that's really going to pay dividends for you if you'll stay with me for just a moment, a a wonderful truth that God revealed. Number five, gratitude and thankfulness. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, gratitude, thankfulness for what Jesus did for us on the cross, thankfulness for the fact that he's given us uh, breath and life this very day, thankfulness that the snow's going to melt pretty soon, thankfulness for all these, all these things, thankful, a thankful a, a, a spirit of gratitude and, 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 and gladness. And the sixth one, obedience. Philippians 4, 9, and that's the verse we're going to concentrate on. This, this would be this last one. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, here's what he says, practice. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you want peace, then you got to practice these things. Practice, practice, practice is obedience. Practice is doing what God says to do. And it's not always easy, but practice it. These are all, these six things are attitudes when you stop and think about it. They have to do with an attitude of mind, of heart, of spirit. So he gives us counsel about attitudes. And he says these attitudes, this gentleness and faith and gratitude, thankfulness and obedience, these are attitudes about living life. He says, this will help you stand firm when the challenges come. But then he's given us another one, and we studied it last week. Then he tells us uh, from last week's study that through reading God's word, God's truth, his word will help us develop right thinking. And behavior follows thinking. Our behavior follows the things that are in our mind. And so he's saying, think right things. In other words, last week we said discipline the mind. For Christians who have the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives, I I wish I could explain this. I could, you know, I could be a, a billionaire if I could write a book to explain this, how the Holy Spirit who comes into the Christian, the believer's life when they get saved, 
give their heart to Christ, works in conjunction with the academics of our mind. That somehow We're going to hear more about that in just a moment. Somehow there is this mysterious work that God does through the Holy Spirit with regard to our thinking. And I'm going to explain that to us in just a moment. And then thirdly, he gives us this third key to standing firm no matter what may come our way from the world or the ruler of this world, Satan. And that's found in verse 9. And it has to do with obedience and practicing these things. All right, here's the question. What things? What things am I supposed to be practicing in order to stand firm in the Lord in hard places? The things you have learned, he said, practice these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, meaning Paul. And then what happens when we do that? All these things that they saw in his life, all the things that he taught, all the things that he spoke and they heard it and whatever, he says, practice, do these things. Look at what it says. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But only if you're on the mountaintop, not in the valley. Didn't say that. No, you will have peace if you and I will practice these attitudes and this disciplining of our mind of reading and studying God's word and training our minds. So we get peace in the midst of the storm when we cultivate godly attitudes, when we dis- discipline the mind based upon God's word, not, not the latest hot seller out there or on CBD or at Amazon. No, we discipline the mind based on God's word. And thirdly, we get peace in the midst of the storm when we practice obedience. And you don't even have to like it. To practice it. You just said do it. Just obey. Do it. Here's how all of this works. Let me give you a little illustration here. Maybe this will help bring this together. A policeman sees a man weaving erratically on the road and pulls him over. Now he doesn't know if the driver is having a stroke or a heart attack or if the driver is high on drugs or if he's drunk or if he's angry out of his mind with road rage, or he had a fight with his wife or girlfriend or whatever, the cop, if you don't mind me using that term, the the cop doesn't know enough to make a judgment like that. That's for the court to decide. What he or she, the cop, is doing is preventative, so that innocent people like you and me don't get sideswiped or caught in some accident or, or something worse. We lose our life over somebody driving erratically. So the cop, is he's not judging. He's just noticing behavior. And he is doing preventive work on your behalf and on my behalf. He's capturing, literally, a potential problem before it has a chance to happen. Are you following me? He's seeing a potential problem. He's apprehending it. He doesn't know what's going on yet, but the court will decide all that. But he's taking preventive measure so that the obvious doesn't happen, which is an accident and someone being hurt. 
And that's the idea that Paul has here in helping us find stability in some of life's most difficult circumstances. We develop the right attitude toward God, life and others and self. Develop the right attitude. We read God's Word in order to discipline our minds into correct thinking about things. And number three, we practice obedience to the truths that we've learned. Things that we've heard about from other believers and observed in the lives of faithful people that we know. Those things we obey, we do, we practice. And when the enemy comes along, now listen, when the enemy comes along during the hard times, we may be facing tremendous challenges. And when he comes and he's trying to pull us away toward anxiety and pull us away toward fear and pull us away toward uh, depression and loneliness and doubt and anger and hopelessness and despair and the like, along comes the Holy Spirit. Along comes the Holy Spirit to arrest, arrest the cop, to arrest those thoughts, put them in handcuffs. It's like, I'm in a hard place, the devil came after me, I'm thinking crazy stuff, the Holy Spirit comes along because I've tried to maintain a proper attitude, I've tried to read God's word, I've tried to discipline my mind. My mind is not helping me right now. I'm thinking about shooting somebody or crazy things. And the Holy Spirit comes along and arrests those thoughts. And the word of God's truth and our practice of obedience to cooperate with God. He's arrested these things that could take us down or take us into places that we don't want to go. And I believe this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to this. Watch this come together for you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, when we have the devil throw everything in the kitchen sink at us. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses that the devil is trying to put strongholds in my life. Strongholds of fear, depression, anger, frustration, confusion, hopelessness, all those kinds of things for the destruction of fortresses like that. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How are we doing that? By the Holy Spirit working in our mind, in our life, and arresting those thoughts before they have a chance to take us to hell and back. That puts a whole different perspective on reading God's Word, doesn't it? It puts a whole different perspective on giving your heart to Jesus Christ so that the infilling of the Holy Spirit can be, I can have access to that. You and I, if you are truly saved, you truly ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the Holy Spirit is in you. 
And if you are working on your attitudes according to what the Scripture says, and if you are, are doing everything you know to study the, the Word of God and to understand it and to discipline your mind, the Holy Spirit will, will come right into your mind and my mind and will, will cuff those stupid ideas that come into our minds when we are, are up against the wall and we feel like we're beside ourselves and we don't know which way to turn and we try to think it out and we try to think it through and the Holy Spirit says, no, that, relax, I got that in cuffs. You don't have to go there. You don't have to think that all the way through, not that one. Think on these things. God gave us these other things to think on, remember? Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever, you know, honorable. Remember we studied that? He said, that's what your mind has been trained to think on. Practice those. So how do we find stability in unstable circumstances? Develop godly attitudes. Develop disciplined minds that think right thoughts and commit to obeying God's will. Now, listen to this. Feeling right, emotions, and thinking right is not necessarily doing right. We can feel pretty good about things, and we can think we understand what's going on pretty well, but that doesn't mean that we are obeying and following what we're learning in God's Word. And we have a culture today that is pushing back so hard against the Word of God that they don't want the Word of God to mean what it says anymore at least on the ones that bother us, the ones that are tricky. And that's a whole other series of sermons. But that's what's going on. Feeling right and thinking right is not necessarily doing right. We cannot separate the obedience from attitudes and disciplined thinking. They all three go together for us to have the peace and the ability to stand firm in hard places so that we have stability in God. We must commit to obedience. Even though we may stumble from time to time, we, 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 might, we might trip up once in a while and, and not get it all right. That happens. But in the Greek, that word is praso for practice. It literally refers to repetition over and over and over But it's not so much in learning how to do something by practicing. How many of you play a musical instrument? Okay. How many of you came out of the womb knowing how to do that? I think there's one or two out there. They just sat down and they could just play. You know, they didn't have a lesson or whatever. Uh, God makes some people like that. I wasn't made that way. Uh, I, I had to practice. I had to learn. I had to read the notes and had to practice and practice and practice and that repetition thing going on. That's not what he's talking about, that kind of practice. What he's talking about here is a seasoned practicing, like when some professional hangs their shingle out in the yard. And it says, if you need legal counsel, here is the law practice of so-and-so. Or if you need medical help, Here is my shingle out here that says that I have a medical practice. Now, does that mean that the doctor is uh, practicing on us? Sometimes it might feel that way. But we don't go to the doc for that, do we? 
We don't go to the doc for that preliminary practice to learn how to do something. We are assuming that he's already been practicing those things. And it's the custom of his life. And when I walk in, all of that practice is not to learn how to do it. It is to practice what he's learned how to do so that I get the benefit and the blessing of it. Amen? That's the kind of practice that Prasso is really talking about. So in other words, he's saying move from baby food, spiritually, onto some meat and potatoes. Discipline your mind with the deeper things. Uh, don't, don't just come on a Sunday morning and say, wow, that was, man, that was great music. I just really love that. And boy, that was wonderful when we prayed. And it was just really great when all those people came and we prayed around the altar. And wasn't that just really great? Whatever. And you just go home and you feel really good about that. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. Unless you're not practicing those things. Unless you're not taking those things out the door with you. He's saying, look, don't be, don't be, in a baby state of constantly learning the baby things, press on into the deeper things. Learn how to handle that scalpel. Learn how to read that law book and interpret it in terms of what my situation is so that we can go to court and prevail, so that we can go into surgery and prevail, so that we can, we can win. This is a spiritual application that he's talking about. So, Paul says, get these attitudes in place, get your mind focused on the disciplined habits of right thinking, and then do those things. Do them, practice them the same way every time. Every time the same way. You find a person in this life, you search around, think about it in this church. Some of you have been around this church for a long time. You think about the people that are in this church for a long time. You find a person in this church or some other fellowship where you've been or whatever, who has lived a long life of spiritual stability in some of the hardest circumstances of life, and you will find a person with godly attitudes, a person who knows the Word of God and who has disciplined and trained their mind, and a person who is, has not stopped being obedient and practicing those things. These three exercises of, or you might call them life principles in a sense, allows the Holy Spirit to arrest those thoughts that can take us down. Now this is the, where the rubber meets the road. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. You and I have something really bad happens. And he says, stand firm in the Lord. And, and we, we want to we choke Paul when he says that. It's like, what do you mean, stand firm? This is awful. This is, a, this is the most terrible thing that's ever happened to me. And, and, uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better very soon. I don't even see a way out of it. And you want me to stand firm and have joy and practice all these things and whatever. And he says, yes. And that is why we need the church. That is why it's a precious thing for these new members to have come in here and to join with us. Because we are a family. We are a unit. We are designed to, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching when Jesus is going to come for his bride. You've got to be in church. You've got to be involved in a local church. 
And in the local church, we can find the encouragement when we don't feel like practicing what we know we're supposed to do. And we say, yeah, I know this is tough. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let me give you a call this week and see how you're doing. Uh, let me give you a verse. God gave me a verse to give to you because you're, you're, you're in a hard place. And we help one another to stay on the path. That's why we need the church. That's why we need to read and study and apply God's word. That's why we're having a simulcast, to study God's word. There may be some specific things that women need to be studying about that the men don't have a much of a clue about and really can't teach a whole lot about. And they need to be together as the women in God's family and study these things together and learn and build one another up in the faith. This is the pathway to stability over the long haul. This is the pathway. It's just like that's the pathway to the black podium that has all of the 30 pieces of silver bags on them if you didn't get one, and everybody should have one. Everybody should do that. Why? Because it's going to a good cause. Benevolence, Embrace Grace, and and, uh, a Pregnancy Help Center. That's a good thing. Everybody ought to put at least a nickel in for that, wouldn't you think? Everybody get a bag. Put it in there. That's That's the sermon for the bag. But that's the pathway. That's the pathway to that place. These are the pathway to your being able to make it. These are the things that as grandparents, you need to be praying over your grandchildren for. These are the things that hopefully you instilled in your children. And if you didn't come to faith until late in life, and you didn't instill these things in your kids, then you're probably seeing some of the fruit of your not good teaching. Unless they found it somewhere else where God was merciful and showed them Christ and they met Christ and it wasn't through you. But it's not too late for you to build in and to pray for them. Now that you see that, you can make up for lost time and build into those things. This is the pathway. And so, by the way, before I close, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have no cop on duty. Think about that. If the Holy Spirit is the arresting officer for the stupid thoughts that the devil will bring into our hearts and our minds to pull us away from God through hard things, if the Holy Spirit is the one who is doing preventive maintenance, preventing that from getting deep into our spirit, deep into our mind, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, guess what you don't have? No cop on duty. You ever been in a spot where somebody was acting crazy or maybe trying to break into your place or trying to steal your car or doing whatever? And you say, man, I I wish there was a cop seeing that. That guy ran that red light. You stopped. They boom right on by. Boy, where's the black and white cruiser? Man, that guy is going to kill somebody. Where's the cop on duty? You don't have a cop on duty to arrest and handcuff those things that will come in the hard places, the really hard places of life, if you don't have the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. No authority to take captive those thoughts the enemy offers to get us off track. We need the Holy Spirit on duty all the time. Amen? That's the sermon today. It's over. I'm done. Here comes Pat to play the piano. Thank you, Pat. Let's all stand. You can't believe I just shut it down like that, can you?
<laughs> what else is there to say? You need, you need Jesus Christ in your life. If you don't have him in your life, how can you have him in your life? God, be merciful to me, a sinner, before I walk out of this place. I know I'm a sinner. I know I got stuff against me. I don't want anything held against me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I believe that stuff's true. I don't know why, but I believe it. And so I don't want to be in trouble with you when this life is over. I, I want to go to heaven. But, I, but more importantly, I need help to negotiate this life. And so I not only want salvation and Jesus to be my Savior because he, he, he paid my price. He paid, he paid for my sin. And, and He died for me. And, and He broke the bonds of sin and death when He rose from the dead. And we're going to celebrate that this Easter. And, and, and so I want this Jesus in my life. I believe in you. That's all you got to do. Call out to him and say, God, have mercy on my soul. Sinner, save me, Jesus. I need you. But I want you. More than I need you, I want you. I want you. Anybody would do something like that for me, I want you. I want to love you. I want to hug you with my spirit. I want to hold on to you, you who would die for me. And when he comes in, he says, coming into your life, I give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who is that third person in the Trinity, will come and take up residence. And the Bible says, see, this is not my thoughts. This is what the Bible teaches us. That the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we get saved, when we give Jesus our heart. And he begins to interact with our brain, with our mind. I I wish I could tell how that works. It's a mystery. It's a marvelous thing how you've created us. That our brain and the Holy Spirit with Jesus in there can, can talk to each other. And I, I need an arresting officer because I think some really crazy things sometimes. God, this world, this life, it throws so much at me sometimes. Sometimes it's like one thing after another. And I get so confused and I get discouraged and I feel lonely and I feel sad and I don't know how to work it out. And I start worrying. I start getting anxious and I got an ulcer and the doc says I got trouble. And, and the, 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 the accountant says I, I owe money and I, my taxes are high and blah, blah, blah. One thing after another, I, I start thinking stuff that I'm on my own and I'm not. I belong to you. And I need you arresting officer, Holy Spirit to take these thoughts captive in my mind and don't let them run around the chambers of my mind and try to pull me away from my love and devotion for you. And so you can have that before you leave this place today. You can have the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. Say, what will that look like? I don't know. What, what does it feel like? I don't know how it'll feel for you. I know how it felt for me. I just knew that it was real, that he was in me. And every time I pick up the Word of God, He teaches me and He instructs me and He speaks to me in the inner man. And I, 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 I start to get it. I, I read these things and I think, I don't understand everything, but I get it. It's like I read it and I, I get it. I understand. It makes sense. Just like, just like we heard in the missions testimony. The lady said, this makes sense to me. This makes sense to me. So we need you, Holy Spirit. And for those of us who have been walking with you for a long time, we're pretty sure before we, <clears throat> before we uh, meet you in heaven one day that we're going to face some obstacles. We'll face some hard places and some hard times. And so to keep our minds clear and safe, Lord, we want to practice 
good attitudes. We want to practice reading your word and studying it so that we think on things that are honorable and lovely and things that you approve of to discipline us. We want to practice it and obey it. And so we need you, Holy Spirit, to be the arresting officer in our minds so that we can be faithful and stable, stable believers no matter what happens. And we thank you and love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so listen, if you don't have Jesus, if you'd like to know him, if you'd like to know more about joining a church like this or whatever, come on up and talk to one of us. Catch one of the pastors. Be glad to talk to you about it. Lord, bless them and keep them as they go out. Help them to be safe on the ice. Don't let there be any broken bones on the way home, Lord. And give us opportunities to share the gospel. We love you. We love your church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.